An old book. A book about witchcraft. You're listening to the Whitewood Podcast, a show about mystery schools, the occult, and witchcraft. Would you like to have a look around? Why have you come to Whitewood? Well, because I'm interested in witchcraft. I'm your host, Nate. Come with us as we delve into the history, techniques, and backstories of these traditions and the people who practice them. Welcome back to the Whitewood Podcast. My name is Nate Driscoll. This week, we are going to interview another practitioner. And the practitioner that we've brought on for this week is a friend of mine. Her name is Woven Tear. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. All right. So, welcome back to the Whitewood Podcast. My name is Nate Driscoll. How are you, Wovey? I am good. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Cool. So, let's see. I haven't seen you in, what, two weeks? A week? Uh... Did I see you last Sunday? I think so, last Sunday. Last Sunday, because we did something for the solstice. Yes, summer solstice. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Now, I struggle to introduce other people, because I don't ever want to define them and be like, hey, you are this individual, you are a Wiccan, you are a witch, you are a practitioner, you are a, you know, whatever the thing is, I, I prefer to let people define themselves. So how would you define yourself as far as magic goes, as far as your personal tradition? Um, Who are you? Personal tradition, let me say. Uh, first of all, I think I have developed my own tradition. That's Within good. the last 10 years, I've taught what I've learned, and I've taught it to the community, which would be the Treasure Valley Witches. And anything over 10 years is considered a tradition. So I'm thinking that that's my tradition. So it's an eclectic collection of the things that I've experienced in my life. Yeah. So magic is witchcraft or whatever it is that people believe in is a form of whatever they want it to be. Right. So basically Wicca is a religion that I'm not to hep on okay um basically because the old religions were treated like oh i'll do this but i won't do this okay and dogmatic is that what you mean where like there's a there's a set rule of what you will and will not do do in accordance with whatever your religious belief is right so like uh in the case of like christianity uh i use that one as a reference a lot even though most of the people that come on the show are not christian most people have at least experienced Christianity because we live in the United States. So we know someone and it kind of acts as like a good, like everyone knows this, the general practices of this one. And so a lot of times we'll fall back to it as like an example. Um, but so like, for example, dogmatically in Christianity, you might like say, uh, well, they have the 10 commandments, for example, or they have like, you're not, uh, my parents are Mormon in their case, they don't drink. So those might be examples of like, dogmatic specific things where you are and are not allowed to is that kind of what you mean mm-hmm. yeah okay definitely um you mentioned wicca would you would you identify as like a witch a practitioner a where are you at with all that i, I would say my religion would be voodoo the practice of ifa okay. i was just there you go. uh initiated into ifa and so that's my religion i guess so okay. there are uh, forms of structure there that a lot of people 
don't like or do like. It doesn't doesn't really matter. But right. yeah, uh, witchcraft is not uh, a religion. I guess witchcraft is a technique or a way of life. That yeah, I've been uh, over the past couple episodes and guests and stuff. I've been trying to kind of bring. I, I do think that the magical traditions in general constitute some form of a spiritual path, that they are most definitely um, a set of tools to understand your own relationship with, you know, the divine and to uh, empower you in your life the same way that you might find from like a more traditional religion. But I definitely understand people drawing a line between them because uh, sometimes religion kind of gets treated as a naughty word in our society where... Um, individuals who are saying, well, my religion is, are often using that word in order to, I don't know, uh, interpret what other people's actions should be. They often are being dogmatic about, Mm -hmm. you know, what I should make other people do or what I should do myself. So I can understand the perspective. I don't think that it's right or wrong um, to consider witchcraft to be a religion. I can understand some people coming from it from the, hey, but, you know, I have a god and a goddess and I have, you know, specific rites and rituals and I, you know, I uh, regularly do these things because it is building me up and I'm getting something positive out of it. And if the word religion to you means that, then Mm -hmm. I think it's okay for you to use the word religion in order Mm -hmm. to describe witchcraft. If the word religion to you means I'm going to go sit in a church and I'm going to force other people in order to see things my way. And if they don't, then they're evil. And there's this place that we've reserved for them in our mythology to like punish them for that. Then I wouldn't consider witchcraft to be a religion. Right. I'd consider it to be right. kind of its own separate thing. Yeah, definitely. I like that. Yeah. 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 Um, so you have been doing voodoo. What does that mean? <laughs> Uh, voodoo is another set of rules and regulations, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's working with the dead. Okay. Uh, as as anybody would work. And, of course, all of the spirits or gods or goddesses are all dead anyway, right. I guess. You know, so voodoo is just a different aspect of working spiritually with the dead. Okay. And when you say dead, do you mean like specific individuals throughout history or do you mean like working with your particular ancestors or do you mean kind of a mix of the both or both basically my ancestors um i believe that they're around you or Mm -hmm. us all the time and so working with your ancestors help you elevate them and us in uh a life sure our life this path absolutely You mentioned initiation. Um, I would never ask anybody, especially on this show, because we have so many people who are initiated into paths, to divulge anything that they have taken oaths to protect, obviously. Um, I myself have been initiated into stuff and don't uh, don't talk about the specifics. Um, if you were to slip up, you're always welcome to let me know, and we can remove it before we publish it. But um, as far as initiation, what does that mean? What is an initiation? Uh, it's a it's a set of exercises or um, things tasks that okay. you should do to pr- want to do I guess to prove your worthiness to the spirits. Yeah, it's kind of like some kind of a. It depends on the tradition that you come from, because right. and that's why I ask is because you know in our so I kind of follow the tradition of Thelema. Mm-hmm. In Thelema, we mm-hmm. have you know an organized initiatory structure. And um, ours is, 
I always have to watch exactly how I word this. Right. That's uh, <laughs> a fun game. Um, <laughs> well, I kind of know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have like uh, different uh, degrees that individuals are brought into. Mm-hmm. And um, many of them are things that people can choose to do. Some of them are up higher with more of the structure of keeping things going. Those can be uh, invite only. But most of the degrees are you know, mm-hmm. things where people can make a personal choice and they mark specific points in one's life and um, specific important mysteries to contemplate during the stages of one's life to help add depth and meaning mm-hmm. in that phase. I it, would say it's a value. Sure. It's, it's a, a value to you right. only. And yeah. that's what makes it important too. And I would say the more you put into it, the more you get out yeah. of it. That's right. Definitely. Would you say that applies to all magic? I think it applies to everything. Yeah. Whatever we believe, hmm. everything. Would you say even mundane stuff that that applies to? Yeah. I would I would kind of. I guess I didn't think about it until yeah. you said everything. But, it, you know, it's true. Like your career, the, you will get more out of your career if you put more of yourself into it. Cooking. Cooking, yeah. Baking. Absolutely. Everything, yeah. Yeah. Whatever you do. Yeah, absolutely. Anything. Um, art, you know, studying, mm. learning, anything. Mm. And, and that's definitely true for the magical traditions. Um, I would say the more that you put yourself into it, the more you're going to get out of it. And that's generally why I usually say, and I wonder if you agree with this or if, you know, that if you're going to do it, just go, go all in, you know, to like, Mm -hmm. like, I, I think that some individuals, I guess it's, I shouldn't, I shouldn't make, I shouldn't make a set of guidelines that like, oh, you have to do it my way by any means. There's, there's definitely some value to just putting one foot in the pool. Well, there's an the ultimate like. way to, to do things Yeah, like somebody has been or traveled that path before yeah. you, uh, can give you pointers on saying, Hey, you can do this and rather not this and end up in a better position. Right. Or it's like, it's like cooking. I, I always do cooking, baking cookies. Okay. Everybody knows how to bake cookies, right? Oh, I'm kinda. terrible at baking cookies. Well, you know, but you got a recipe. <laughs> I could, I could with a recipe and that's right. kind of what you're talking about. And right? then I could give you right. some tips cause I bake cookies really well. Right. And I could give you some And you've tips. been baking for many years and yes. you can tell me. And I yeah. can tell you what you can do to make those cookies better. Right. And potentially, you know, I might still, mm-hmm. and, and that's actually a really good analogy because when it comes to the spirituality that is the magical traditions, it's okay for me to kind of do it my own way, to have mm-hmm, my own mm-hmm. recipe, to bake it, you know, right. my own specific way. And it's also okay that I go, hey, Wovi, I, you know, I'm not getting as much fluff. Should I do, oh, add some more butter. Oh, okay. I can add a little bit more butter and see how that turns out. And add that more doesn't... flour, though. Sure. Not sure. butter. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, I'm not a baker. The tip. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, I can still bake the cookies how I please. That it's not that you're, like, in my house mm-hmm. with a gun to my head saying, right. you put two cups of flour in there or else. Right. It's very much. And that's one thing that I find is very different with magical traditions versus other spiritual paths. Not to say that all of them are dogmatic and not to say that even all, you know, Christian branches are like this. But there tends to be more of an allowance towards certain types of behaviors that are a little more forceful. In non-magical traditions, while magical traditions tend to be, you need to decide how you're going to do it. I I can give you some pointers, and hopefully mm-hmm. the recipe works for you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at with that. Well, let's see. So, you work with ancestors. You said you were initiated. What types of things would you do for a working? Let's say you're, uh, you have some goal in mind, some. 
Well, I suppose we should talk about that. What is what is a magical working to you? What does that mean? Uh, well, it, it's a lot. In fact, that uh, I do do magic every day. Uh, it's all part of my life, yeah. I guess, uh, to make the day, uh, go better than what I think it should be going. I, I'm, I light a candle every day there you for go. different That's a perfect example. aspects. Okay. Uh, I do affirmations for the universe, for my people, for yeah. my group, you know, for clients. Yeah. I, I work clients do with clients. So uh, an average working would be basically getting myself uh, prepared, getting the the ingredients, candles, herbs, okay, potions, lotions, whatever. Sure, absolutely. To get the, all those together to okay. increase the you vibration. You mentioned uh, lighting a candle for different things each day. What kinds of things would you be doing? Mainly clients. Okay. Or mainly myself. Sure. Creating the vibration in the house to keep it absolutely higher. Absolutely. When I first got started in magical traditions in general, I, um, when I was a kid, I was raised in a Mormon household, as I've already said, and I, I realized pretty early on it wasn't really for me. And I'm happy that my parents are getting something out of it. You know, it's definitely been positive for them, but for myself, I wasn't getting that thing out of it. And so it felt like destructive. It didn't feel positive for me. It wasn't building me up. And so eventually I did what I think a lot of people do which is, if this doesn't work, what's the opposite of it? And with the limited tools that I had at that age, I didn't really know what else was out there. And so I opted for, you know, magical traditions and stuff. Uh, the first one that I really knew of at that time was Wicca. That was kind of my launching off point. And then over the years, I, you know, oh, well, this Wicca thing's working to a certain point, but I'm really drawn towards this whole paganism thing. And, oh, this paganism thing's working, but like, man, I'm really drawn towards this Norse paganism thing. It's more specific. And and then eventually kind of getting around to uh, finding myself in the Thelemic circle mm -hmm. and being like, oh, this is it. This is the thing for me. Like, I feel, you know, I feel... Resonates with your... Resonates with me mm -hmm. specifically. And, and at the end of the day, I don't think that it's wrong for someone else to have the same experience with other stuff. So, like, mm -hmm. for example, maybe you started off... And I know this isn't the case. This is just an example. But let's say you started off with Thelema and you were like, oh, hey, you know, I can kind of take some positive things about this. But I'm getting a little bit more out of this other thing and for you mm -hmm. to transition into that other one until you found this place where you're, you know, vibing and comfortable the mm -hmm. most, you know. Um, where did you make your start? What did you did you immediately just go straight into voodoo? And uh, I, I do know people who started off in the same path that they do today you know that, that was 10 15 20 years ago and they're like yeah i just started this one and stuck with it and it's been great or did you transition through a couple of different things and pick up a little bit off this one and a little bit off that one or i transitioned i just was in introduced to voodoo a few years ago it's okay. been about four or five years i think maybe yeah. six years i can't remember um but yeah i traveled overseas i experienced a lot and which was really, I'm blessed in that aspect because I like to be, ex I like to have the experiences so that I can experience and say, this is really good. I can work with this again, like you were saying that you can work with a little bit, but then this aspect doesn't resonate with you. Right. So, um, Buddhism, Hinduism, 
of course, Hinduism and Buddhism is uh, very structured also, but it teaches you self. Um, right. All about yourself. And when yeah. you learn about yourself. It's an internal path. Right. It's, yeah. They, they give you a lot of tools. But they're like, yeah, the path is inside. You need to walk it on your own. I can't. Uh, right. I can give you tools, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I have noticed that about Buddhism and shamanism. Hinduism. Those were the things that that I needed in my life, I guess, to okay to work out myself. And yeah, like you transition into one, mm-hmm. you get what you needed out of it. You find yourself moving on yeah. to the next, and and that's one thing that I said in an earlier episode that I vibe with a lot is that the magical traditions is like a passport to be able to move amongst the nations that are all these mm-hmm. different spiritual mm-hmm. traditions. It's like, you know, I can go do some practices from Buddhism for a couple of months, for a couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe really dive into it. But then I still have the ability to like pull my passport back out, go back over to something else that's right. working. And, right. Yeah. And nobody considers that weird in the occult. Like it's I, really I normal. <laughs> like when somebody's like, "Oh yeah, I just spent seven months being a Buddhist." I'm like, "Oh cool, how was that?" Right. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I I agree with that. That's definitely. Uh, the, it's hard to be Buddhist anyway. It is. It is such it a. It is. So hard, but. Yeah, um, I don't. Oh, man, I take a lot from it. I do. I, I did too. I did yeah. too. But it was like I just. It was like okay, I I, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I just like give up. <laughs> sure. Found well, something that vibed with you better. But, There's nothing wrong with that. No, my I and I teach. I, I teach a lot, and so all the experiences that I've been through, uh, is is basically what I've experienced. And I like to tell people that. I, don't tell any, you know, there's a couple of people that say, hey, I want to be this. And I'm going, okay, go do that. Right. Be that. Right. Uh, and then they find out they can't, they can't be that. or They can't because they struggle with some of the things that they need to do. Internally. Or they can't as in the group is telling them they can't. And they struggle with the things they need to do. Sure. Okay. Or they need to uh, step up to the game or whatever. And they are not able to do that. Right. You know, and I say, that's, that's great. Uh, that now you know, you know, now you know, respect that part and yeah. move forward. Right. You know, don't disregard it as something bad, you know, yeah. keep it in your faith that, that it is something that helped you grow into what you are now, you know, right. and the same way with Christianity, it's something that helped us grow to where we are now. And if it wasn't there, if our parents hadn't have, you know, made sure. us yeah. do this, it, we wouldn't be here in that aspect, I guess. I, I agree. Of, of yeah. Us. I think, and I think it's all, I think it's all as positive as what you're getting out of it. Um, and that includes some of the things that people consider to be darker, you know, voodoo has a, has a connotation to it. Um, I, I have seen and experienced enough voodoo stuff to not feel uncomfortable about voodoo. However, people who have not seen and experienced some of the things that myself and you have experienced, I do see them recoil back a little bit at the very name of it. They're like, oh my gosh, that's pretty extreme. But their vision of it is something that they've pulled out of like television, Mm -hmm. out of like um, movies and media. And I find that the depictions of magical traditions is incredibly inaccurate on those types of things. We, I, just like when I watch, like if I watch an episode of a television, anything that I know 
the the more that I learn about a specific topic, the more that I realize how fake Hollywood is. Mm-hmm. So like if I know a lot about cars, I'll watch, you know, uh, Fast and the Furious and I'll go, oh my God, that's a ridiculous scene. Like none of that was even like remotely possible. Mm-hmm. What a stupid mm-hmm. movie this is. And that is extremely true for the occult because like, you know, they'll be like, oh, it's voodoo. And it's like, well, you know, there's like one dude chopping the head off of a chicken and, you know, it, it's just not, it's not, it's not like a, Number one, it's not respectful to people who believe that tradition mm-hmm. to portray them in that way, which is a very serious conversation we should be having in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Uh, but number two, it's it's never very realistic. Um, what do you think? Do you agree or disagree? And if you disagree, why? I agree to a certain point mm-hmm. where people, you know, withdraw from uh, from that because they're uneducated. Yeah, exactly. And I think that once you, you know, if if you don't like it or anything like that, be educated about it so that you can learn about it. Of course, chopping the heads off of chickens, you know, everybody did it before so we could eat. Sure. You know, and it was like part of you're getting ready for dinner. Might as right. well work some magic into it. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And I can understand that. that. That's a food source. It, it, it's also, you know, respectful of the chicken where you, you, the chicken is giving you something. Right. And you give something in return to the chicken. Absolutely. Uh, you reverence it. You, you know, you experience, you uh, cook it and eat it and share it with the family and all of that. Yeah. So, and yeah. It, you know, down that same kind of road of thought, um, the Norse pagan traditions, which are gaining a lot of traction in the United I States know. now, it, they're becoming it, big. It's, it's like interesting. Really big. Yeah, it's like a second explosion of Odinism. Yep. It's very yep. interesting. Um, so, them, for example, they had what's called the blot. Yeah. And a blot is, you know, a specific rite or ritual that in 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 um, ancient times included mm-hmm. the sacrifice of some agricultural animal, usually a cow, mm-hmm. and they would ritualistically harvest the cow Mm -hmm. and then cook the cow and then consume the cow. And that was part of this, you know, this bringing the community together in worship, in adoration. And that included at one point animal sacrifice, right? Um, But it wasn't, you didn't just kill the cow for no reason. You were, you were consuming it as a community. And you you groomed that cow for that specific specific purpose. Exactly. You know, and it's not like, you know, Judaism and Christianity didn't have their days of doing animal sacrifice as well. There were definitely, you know, times where uh, there are, you know, the, the, the sacred sheep or the, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. The, the ram would be Abrahamic. Right. You know, Abraham yeah. Oh, yeah. almost even sacrificing his own son towards, mm-hmm. you know, as an animal sacrifice. So there's definitely something to be said about, you know, how that's kind of worked into everything. But for some reason, it is the only image that comes up in the mind when we talk about voodoo. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just um, an unfair media portrayal of groups and individuals. There's bloodless traditions. Absolutely. And, uh, we have a house in Boise. And so, yeah. Uh, and it's, and it is it morphs into something that works for all of us as a group or right. as a house. Right. Uh, we do workings for people. Uh, and it's the same as health you know, wealth, abundance, taking care of the earth, taking care of our community and everything. So it's, it's a bunch of people doing what they like and how it works with them, with the dead and what tradition it is. Uh, it works. Now, are you guys working with specific entities? Like when I think of voodoo and hoodoo, the names that kind of come to mind are like, uh, Papa Legba and, um, 
Baron Samedi and, you know, mm-hmm. those types of, um, you know, entities. Are there specific ones? They have a lot, and there's also multiple branches. Are, are there specific ones that you find yourself in your community working with? Uh, there are specific ones, yes. Okay. Uh, La Seren, uh, Baron Samedi, Agoon, uh, Chesley. There, there's a lot of them, uh, and they help us reach our goals for our court, you know, the people yeah. on our court, our ancestors and everything. We help elevate other spirits uh, in the spirit world. Sure. Too. Yeah. And what does that look like when, you know, like, for example, let's say you're working with one particular entity. Uh, how would that differ from working with a different entity? You know, like if you're working with one today and on Wednesday, you're going to work with a different one. Do you adapt a lot of that ritual towards like some of their symbols? Yeah, like, we for honor example? their symbols, their veves. Yeah. We honor them. Okay. Uh, we just had a, a celebration of uh, a while, a little bit ago, uh, with honoring the the house spirits. Okay. Giving them uh, honor and thanks, feeding them, you right. know, definitely. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's really similar... Uh, like for example, Hinduism often has some form of a God, some form of an incarnation of a God, mm-hmm. some, some set of symbols, some symbolic entity that, uh, they'll have like a physical representation in the home, uh, on like a specific, uh, table, altar, those kind of things. And they'll offer incense and maybe they'll, you know, regularly wash the, uh, the item. They, maybe they'll, uh, leave out food for, uh, mm-hmm. that particular entity or spirit or, or incarnation. I've noticed a lot of similarities between that form of worship, adoration, and working with something and most of the magical traditions, not to say all. Um, would you say that's mm-hmm. accurate to voodoo that, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. might have like some, you know, physical representation of uh, any of them really. Mm-hmm. And then you might, you know, like leave some food out for them or those types of things. Is yes. that, that's kind food, of what you would water. Um, definitely all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was first getting started and just kind of like dipping my toe in that water, um, a common one that was coming up a lot in my workings was tobacco to be leaving like, uh, especially certain entities that, you know, are written down over past traditions to be either like, uh, cigars or chewing tobacco or those kind of things that was coming up a lot. Um, specific types of food for specific entities where like one might have a preference. Yeah, they have preferences yeah. and they let you know what they are. And definitely yeah. cigars are a big part of um, my that tradition. Uh, I smoke cigars all the time. Yep. And um, certain types of wines, Moscatos, uh, La Seren, for instance, wants uh, a mirror and course she's the queen of the sea she she is over the ocean you know the world's largest graveyard right um definitely every tradition has has sacrifices i believe that's true yeah even wicca had sacrifices but they cut them all out you know before after i was born even like i'm kind of the same age as wicca that's the part i don't like either too 
What's that? It's being the same age as Wicca. You sure. Know, as the re- yeah, Wicca, religion, Wicca you know? is a tradition that uh, it's presents new. itself as being a specific age. Right. And there's not a whole lot of archaeological evidence to suggest that it is the age that it, that it claims to be. But there was But there's totally things that are passed too. down. Mm-hmm. You know, to be fair to them, and I always want to be as fair to as many different types mm-hmm. of people as possible, um, the elements is a main central point in Wicca. Mm-hmm. And the elements have been passed down for as long as we as a like as a species remember mm-hmm. that like there has been some form of representation of earth air fire and water for a long time for yes. as long as we have record and it even includes like traditions like like christianity was doing it in the 10th to 16th century mm-hmm. so it's not even like it didn't even skip religions and like come back the mm-hmm. elements has been passed down since forever and so uh that's a perfect example of how there are definitely aspects of it that are very, very old and have been passed down since forever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, out of respect for them, you know, I definitely agree with that. But, but archaeologically, mm-hmm. you know, academically, we don't have a whole lot of evidence of anything happening before what the, I mean, with Gardner and what the 50s abouts. Right. But I, know, there a little is later a, than the 50s. There, for that, yeah. yeah. There, there is... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. And it was mostly archaeology, too. Mm-hmm. It was mostly who was that woman that discovered some of that stuff. I can't remember. Are you talking about uh, Gardner's uh, female compadre, the Doreen? Wasn't she an archaeologist? I don't remember what no, she there, did, to be honest. There was I know that he popularized a lot of it. Um, first kind of came out as like hey these traditions are out there and his right. his work circulates around this idea that it was passed to him from uh some outside source but that they didn't want to identify themselves and so his work uh and it's it's complicated you know because um he met with Aleister Crowley uh in what 47 mm-hmm. and much of his work is very similar to Crowley's work mm-hmm. and so we don't know if like did he take some of it and adapt it for a purpose, which is valid. It's a perfectly valid thing for people to do. Um, Or did both Crowley and him get influenced by some previous source that's older? There, there hasn't been some, I haven't seen the evidence yet that, that convinces me of that case, but I don't think it matters either way, one way or the other. If someone's getting something out of it and it's working Mm -hmm. great, more power to you. Like do it, you know? Yeah. But, it's a, it's a difficult thing, and I understand why a lot of people have tension towards any system that makes a claim, mm-hmm. not just the one. You know, any system that makes a claim, and and it's a difficult claim to prove. True. You know, very true. Yeah, it makes it complicated, but I still respect them. Mm-hmm, me I too. do. I me love too. them and respect them, especially since like you know that's where I started. You know, it was it's a fantastic starting spot. It is because it's so. They've taken some of the basics and really, really, really fleshed them out. It's like the elements is a perfect mm-hmm. example. I've never met a community that dives so deep into the elements that the Wiccan traditions do. And that, excuse me, and that really helped me to have that base foundation as I was learning other symbols and growing from that point. Mm-hmm. So I definitely respect it and have taken quite a bit from it. Me too. I, I, uh, I teach elemental witchcraft. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That means uh, working and partnering with the elements. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Uh, do you want to? 
do a dive into the, some of the specifics of the elements? You want to do some like uh, we talk a little bit about the basics, or sure. we could pick, we, okay, we can. Um, so the elements being earth, air, fire, and water, mm-hmm. and spirit. Okay, and fifth spirit. Okay, mm-hmm. um, fire being hot, fiery, passionate. Yeah, all the all the correspondences to uh, fire would be Mars, and you know. Uh, anything that that's red, you know, the herbs go into uh, correspondences along sure. with the elements. So there's a what, list. Yeah, and the herb that kind of comes to mind when I think about fire is cinnamon because it's like hot. hot. Or like peppers, mm-hmm. like capsaicin mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. like very hot heat, you know. Flowing, yeah. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Yeah. And then um, water being like a category that includes more. Healing, Kind of like the flowing, opposite, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Flood blues, blues, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah were ones more reds. So when you're doing like elemental works and I don't want to, I don't want to take up our whole time just talking about elements, but uh, when you're doing elemental workings, you're taking one of the four symbols and what are you doing with it? You're, you're actually working with all of them. Oh, all four of them at the all same four time. Of them your preference. Basically at the same time. Okay. I, yeah. It has to be balanced. Yeah. If you, I like that. If you believe that uh, you're working with them, then you need to work with them balanced. Sure. So that one doesn't get, I'm going to say pissed and yeah. screw you or whatever. Well, you I mean, know? life is about balance in general. Right. You know, the idea that like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be a slightly more passionate person, I should probably tend to that by also being more practical at the same time. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, don't let yourself get out of control by mm-hmm. toppling off of the top of whatever you're on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all of them need to be partner. You need to partner with all of them. That's equally. smart. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, one practice that I do that's elemental in nature is the lesser banishing ritual, the pentagram. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I do that one pretty regularly. Right. In, in more than one form, you know, some people stick with just the script as it's written. Uh-huh. Some people will change out some of the symbols so it's slightly less Judeo-Christian with its symbols. Mm-hmm. I've done both. They both seem to be pretty effective for yep. me. But that one has the four elements represented in it. And it is, to, to exactly what you're talking about, it is a ritual of balancing out all four of those you know and working with all four of them at the same time so uh, i can say from my personal experience with that and it having been a very positive and uh building up experience i would agree that Mm -hmm. what you're saying is true you know that working with all four elements in a, a balancing form although i wouldn't necessarily say that you have to and i also wouldn't say like Oh, we're warning you, don't just do a ritual of just water. Like, well, you know, if you're going to, if you really, really need some water energy in your life and you're not like really lacking in some others because you're actually trying to find balance in that thing, I don't necessarily think it's wrong to just work with one No, either. But I would say in general, all four in balance works really well. Right. Really, really well. A a circumference of of your life or your path or whatever, yeah. But working with individual elements occasionally or you know when you need some yeah of that you know water of course uh all all of them you know will will be fine I think. absolutely yeah um so what does that look like you're working with them um i know my preferences i like to i'm a showman i was when in high school i was uh really involved in like uh like theater and drama and those uh-huh. kind of things you know I'm a, I'm a showman in that way and my my family has always been very close to broadway and the stage uh, my my grandfather my grandmother on my father's side my father really everyone on my on my dad's side of the family 
his brothers, like everybody. Wow. At, at some point was involved in some kind of either stagehand or performance art or those kind of things. We've always been like uh, many of them stagehands. Many, many. My father still to this day is a stagehand and working. That's cool. Yeah, it's I like a really, that. It's a fun thing. You uh-huh. know, it's a weird family tradition. My first job out of high school was, you know, working in a theater, uh-huh. you know, just kind of behind stage and stuff. And then after I kind of got off on my own, I did like circus arts and performance and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot out of it. I was really positive. Um, weirdly dark, you know, like yeah. you don't expect the circus to be such a, such a dark place, but I'm, I'm okay with the darkness. I, you know? I like the circus. Yeah. I like macabre. It's I like fun. The exactly. I like the that, macabre. Yeah. yeah yes. the, that's that darkness that mm-hmm. I'm talking. It's the macabre. It's not, it's not darkest for the sake of like evil. It's no, macabre, you know, it's, macabre. it's a I love good it. word for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so all of those kind of life experiences have led me to like, feel like a showman in a lot of ways. And that influences how I choose to go over about workings because mm-hmm. I want to be like flashy and boisterous with it. Right. I want to like, you know, like stand in the middle with my arms raised and hold, 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 you know, like right. I like that aspect and I bring that energy into it. And then, you know, I've got friends who they're very calm, meditative, and they their workings include sitting, calm, meditation holding a symbol in their mind. And both of those things are perfectly valid. Right. And they're working for both of us. And I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, and I, I've even, you know, experimented with their styles and found them to be very beneficial towards my growth and my life. So every time somebody says, oh yeah, I'll do a working on this one thing or this, I'm always like, how? Because there's different types of people. And, and some of us are influenced so heavily by our past. And some of us are influenced by our personalities. And so like when you, light up a candle and you're doing something for some specific gain. Or when you're like, I'm going to do a ritual with all four elements and they're in balance. What does that look like? If we were to go home right now, I'm in my home, (laughs) but you know, if we were to go home right now and be like, Hey, let's do a working according to what Wovi says has been working for her. Mm -hmm. What will we, what, what would you do? I'm more theatrical too. You're theatrical. Okay. Okay. Definitely. And I would, I would go outside and holler. Okay. And stand out there and say, you know, air, this is me, you know, I help me join me in this circle or yeah. whatever. Uh, help me achieve this goal. Uh, so mode it be, hey, yeah, okay. definitely. And I would breathe in, you know, and wait for air to hit me in the face. Okay. And, and so I tell my students that too. I said, don't go out there and just say, hey, hail air, welcome, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, I want you to call that air, you know. I want it to hit you in the face. I want it to blow you down. You want to feel you know? the wind yeah, on your face. face. Okay. You know? Same way with Absolutely. all of the others, you know. So you got to like stand out there. I'm not really, my neighbors get pissed at I'm me. I'm sure but, they do. <laughs> but, People are pretentious. <laughs> don't mind them. <laughs> uh, and I don't do it naked anymore because they call the cops on me. But do they really? In yes. your backyard, is it is it legal in the state to be naked in your backyard? It, well, only if nobody can see you, I think. But, you know, I don't know. My neighbors can see me, so. That's a good question. I think it depends on the state that you live in. I think so. And obviously, this is on the internet. Like, there yeah. could be someone listening in another country, you know? Um, so always check your local bylaws. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, I know... I, I do know people that own land mm-hmm. and it's off in the middle of the woods and it's like there's only one road in and one road out mm-hmm. and nobody's out there. That's good. And they will do nude ritual yes. and there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Right. I'm not saying that they like bring kids up that day. No. You know, it's an adult scenario where, you know, everyone's over to, you know, 21 or whatever yes. and, you know, okay, great. Uh, and nudity, not really a big deal in those right. kind of situations. Mm-hmm. In your backyard in the middle of a metropolitan area, 
a little different. Depends entirely on your local bylaws, how your relationship is with your neighbors, right? Their views on things. You know, if they're if their neighbor's son isn't out in the backyard, and he's like, "Mom, there's a naked lady in her backyard." <laughs> are they going to be like, "Ah, oh, it's just Wobie. She's out of yeah, her mind," just, or are they going to be there. like, "Like, oh, let's call the police," you know? right? Yeah. No, they would just say, "Oh, that's just Wobie again." <laughs> <laughs> don't <Yeah>. look. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with that. I don't think. I think it's. I think it could be empowering in specific scenarios. Well, the the theatrical part is is inspiring to yourself too. Yeah. Uh, but there's the Aborigines. There's the Native American. They jump and and powwow and yeah. hurrah and you know do all kinds of stuff and that yeah. increases the power. They're like out there clapping and yes. jumping and you know getting loud and and that excited. increases the power. Increases right. all of our powers together right uh, you're to building something up, up in the, an area yeah yeah to get it to the universe out there to the source okay so you're more of the the boisterous loud high energy type mm-hmm. uh that definitely makes sense like i said i've had friends who are the more meditative type and for them they want the opposite they want calm quiet closed space i'm i'm the theatric type but i also don't like being in my backyard because i feel like or other people's backyards to be honest I feel like peering eyes of their neighbors, the judgmental, like, oh, what are they, are just a distraction to me. Yeah. And I don't feel like there's anything that I'm doing that's, like, wrong. Because, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've been around this circle for long enough to know right. the difference between right and wrong. And I'm, I'm okay with where I'm at, you know? I, I feel like I'm doing right. But at the same time, I also don't want just the drama that comes with, oh, so-and-so's neighbor was upset because there was some... You know, mm-hmm. backyard ritual. That being said, today before this, I was in a backyard ritual. Oddly enough, we were practicing for the Gnostic Mass, the local uh, local body of the Order Templi Orientis. Um, now that COVID restrictions are being lifted and those kind of things, right, we're yeah. getting prepared to have you know regular public ritual again. And so, one of the things we were doing was ritual in someone's backyard in order mm-hmm. to kind of you know just get prepared for doing mm-hmm. it more regularly. So. I think there's something to be said about getting past that feeling of peering eyes. But like one time I was at a friend's house, my friend reached out to me and he was like, Hey, um, I'm not feeling very well. I'm, it's kind of serious. I would wonder if you would come out and do like something for my health. Right. And I was like, uh, absolutely under one. I mean, under a couple circumstances, you know, like number one, uh, you also, you know, go to a doctor. You know, I definitely don't. Of course. Yeah, I don't encourage people to be like, hey, yeah, we're going to do magic ritual and then don't go to a doctor. No, no, no. This is something that we do on top of your regular mm-hmm. mundane solutions. Right. Doesn't matter if it's health or otherwise, you know, if you're going to, you know, try to attract wealth, one of the best ways to do that is to open a business or do something mundane, you know, like mm-hmm. empower it with magic. But, mm-hmm. you know, so in this case, I was like, well, you have to go to a doctor, but I will absolutely come out and do that for you. Went out there and then like halfway through the ritual. The neighbor across the back fence is like staring at us. And he's got that look in his eye like those bad people. Oh my gosh. And he sat and watched the rest of the ritual. And I was like, you know, we're not going to stop. Like we're right? halfway through, you know, this 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 ritual in the backyard. We're definitely going to finish. But like, God, is it a bother for someone to just be staring into my, you know, spiritual practice? Could you invite him in? It wouldn't have been appropriate. I he would was, say, "Yo, dude, come on over." <laughs> yeah, I could have, I suppose. That's one. Yeah, you might be more wise than me. I, I, 
He would have been gone just he would immediately. Have been gone. Like, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he would have done. I Grab imagine a candle. he would Here's have been a offended. There you go. Here, can you hold this sword? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I would do that now. So um, do you have like specific, so you light up a candle, you're trying to draw a specific type of energy into your life. Let's say it's, hmm, what's the most common? Let's say either money or love are the two most common things. True, that yeah. Need. I've been doing yeah. some uh, work. There's There was a, a what do you, it's a, a rush on people calling me and I have no idea. It's like somebody like, lit up my name or my phone number yeah, yeah. and all of these people like were your name is on a forum somewhere and now 30 somewhere. people yeah. are calling you yeah, yeah 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 and it was all kinds <laughs> of stuff and i was this one person was from california and she uh wanted this boyfriend back yeah and he left her and everything like this yeah and so if somebody's from California listening, there's like 10 or 20 of them. So it doesn't matter. Oh, there's probably more than 10 or 20. Well, California that I worked state. with anyway. Oh, I yeah. got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so she, she, I said, okay, I can open the lines of communication. I can't just, you know, yeah. tell you. And you have to do the mundane stuff first. You have to well, knock on the door. You have to like, text them. Where's, like the, where's the ethical line there? Because... I think that it's perfectly ethical for us to use magic in order to invite an abstract yes. into our lives. For us yes. to say, you know, I am hurting because I don't have a, an emotional partner and, you know, I need a relationship. And I'm going to open just abstractly to the universe and be like, I'm ready for this love to enter it. my life. Yes, right. In whatever form that that mm-hmm. comes, mm-hmm. I'm ready to do I'm that. I'm ready. That to me is perfectly ethical and I'm okay with mm-hmm. that as a magical ritual. When an individual goes... I want John back mm-hmm. or I want John that I've never been with. And there's like a, an individual in their mind, male, female, doesn't matter. Uh, that to me feels icky because yes. in that situation, if you asked me to force them back to you, it would be the magical equivalent of a date rape drug. I, I believe that too. Yeah. I really do. Uh, I also, but, but you can, you can open uh, the area or the spectrum. Sure. Uh, in, 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 in a, in, in an area of vision, I guess. Right. Um, so it's like you and me, we're here, we see each other and everything like that. You can, you can increase the, the situation, I guess. Sure. And uh, then they could use mundane measures. They could right. say, they could say, Hey John, you know, I've been mm-hmm. thinking about it. I really miss you. I'm sorry. Can we work on some of this? Can we like, That's... and, and that other individual mm-hmm. still has their free will in that mm-hmm. scenario where yep. they can go, you know what? You're right. That's, uh, yeah. I do or do want to go, you know, and, but they can also say like, you know, Susan, it, you hurt me. I'm out. As long as you're maintaining their their right to their free will, I don't have a problem with it. Well, the, the second that it's like you know, I'm bringing that one person back, then I'm like, oh, this is icky. This makes me uncomfortable. Plus, opening the lines of communication means yeah. both ways. Absolutely. Yeah. So she got him back. He did contact her, mm-hmm. but he also contacted her in regards to never wanting to see her again. Oh, jeez. And so she didn't like me anymore. But mm. hey, the yeah. lines of communication were open. Right. He contacted her. He said bye. Yeah. Well, enclosure so, is, is a powerful thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would strongly suggest, 
in general. Anybody that's the recipient of magic. I feel like the people who are casting the magic, we've already learned our damn lessons. Right. <laughs> Many of us have made the mistakes yes. or been around friends who made the mistakes. And we've learned a little bit of perspective mm-hmm. and like what's ethical, what's not ethical, the consequences of our actions. And we tend to be a little bit more reserved sure. on certain things, yes. you know? Yes. But I think there's something to be said about like if you're approaching somebody to do magic for you, in the case of you took a client mm-hmm. and they're coming to you for a specific thing, Take a second, really ask yourself what the healthiest way to ask what you're about to ask is, because you just might get it. (laughs) And you would hate to word it in a way or to visualize it in a way that becomes destructive or unethical or toxic in your own life. Like really take a minute and go, what's the healthiest thing for me to do here? Because if I ask for it, it might show up. Right. That's a... Man, that's a lesson I had to learn the hard way a couple of times. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've learned that lesson long time. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I just don't want to deal with that anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So we've touched on a lot of really great stuff. What's the spookiest thing that's ever happened to you? You can define spooky however you want. What's the spookiest thing? Oh, man. Um, it's got to be something that comes spooky. to mind. I'm trying to think. There's all kinds of weird stuff. It's, I know. Been... Same. It, it crazy me. things happen. Uh, and, and it's kind of normal now. I know. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, you know? Um, yeah. Let me see. Let me see. Which one makes a good story? What's your favorite campfire spooky story that's something that happened to you? Um, okay, so when I was living in uh, Alaska. Um, Whereabouts in Alaska? Skagway. I don't know where Skagway is at. Uh, it's in the Lynn Canal. It's southeast. Okay. I've been to Anchorage, and I've been mm-hmm. up to Igigik and King Salmon and some of that area. The cruise ships go to Skagway. Gotcha. And it's the last stop. And okay. then it goes back up the canal. Uh, there's a hotel there that's specifically haunted. Okay. I don't want to say a whole bunch, um, but uh, a woman died in the gold rush. They had the... They had the Chilkoot Pass. Okay. And the Chilkoot Pass was uh, a gold thing. Yeah. And people would come down there and uh, get gold. And um, the woman's husband-to-be was... Um, died, I guess. But okay. she didn't know it. So she stayed in the hotel room until she died. For him, waiting for him. Anyway, on the in this hotel room, weird things happen. Uh, the water fills up the bathtub at night. Um, like it just turns itself just on. Just turns itself on. And I, okay. I witnessed that stuff. Wait, wait. So you, you know, stayed in that hotel room and it, the bathtub filled up? Yes. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. And the fire hoses in the hall room yeah. would fling off into the hallway from being stacked up on the, on the shelf. Oh, okay. Uh, the doors would slam and everything like this. Oh, huh. but the spooky thing about all of this, and I had to just do that kind of backstory. Of course. Uh, the rocking chair would rock. And so the maids of the, the, of the, the housekeepers of the hotel would never go in that room or anything. Okay. But the spooky thing was, is there was a big window on the third floor. And of course the third floor is closed in the wintertime. When I first came there, I saw this woman on the third floor looking out the window. And so 
a couple of weeks after that, I mentioned that to one of the persons that worked there. I said, yeah, I saw a woman on the third floor. And they go, what? Oh, that the third floor is closed. Nobody lives there. No one's allowed to be yeah, on the third floor because right. it's went, oh, my god. And gosh. I swear. And so that was the spooky part. Yeah. Was I actually saw this woman up there. Of course, I've seen different spirits now. Yeah, I've, is, I've had was... a couple of times in my life where like, like I had one period of time where I was just absolutely emotional wreck. There was just so much negative in my life and i knew that i was going to make it past it but like everything i felt like in my soul i felt haunted everything mm-hmm. was so negative in that period and there was a like a solid week where like out of the corner of my eye i'd see uh-huh. stuff and it'd either be like a shadow or like like very disturbing things like one time in that week i was in the mall and out of the corner it's always in the corner of my eye and i see it i recognize what it is i look at it in shock i turn my eyes towards it in shock and it's like nope normal thing Right. It's not really there. And I'm like, uh, but I just clearly saw, saw that it, it was, you know, and right. it, it's kind of exists in that weird space between like, well, I saw it and man, did I, it was out of the corner of my eye. I don't know. Uh, there was one in the mall where a woman bent over and was vomiting bees. Oh man. And this was in the middle of that emotional turmoil uh-huh. of like feeling like just a lot of negative dark. And I remember like, I remember... I had already seen things that week. So I was just like, okay, I'm not even going to look at it. I'm just going to kind of watch it in the corner. And I watched it for a while mm-hmm. out of the corner of my eye. Long enough that I was like, this is, yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to turn my eyes. And I was saying to myself, like, I'm going to turn my eyes and it's going to be gone. And I did and it was. It was gone. Uh-huh. I was like, you've got to be fucking shitting me. Right. Regular ass person dropped their keys, bent over, and fucking picking something up. But there's something to be said about that. Like those experiences. I don't know. I definitely don't think they're the point of the occult. But like, fuck, we all have a spooky story. Well, you know what? I uh, there's Our brains are so much more than what we really think they are. I agree. And yep, now I you're always, talking my language. Yeah. I always, <laughs> I always tell people, you know, um, you know video games is, okay. is a total uh, analogy of what I'm going to say. Okay. When my daughter plays video games, I have... I don't play them, so I don't actually know. But she's a, a high wig video game player. Okay. And there'll be people, other characters in this game yep. that run across the screen and go down this other thing. And I want to know who those people are. Yeah. And she tells me, she says, Mom, those are just other players. Other players what? Where? When? You know, where? what are they doing? Okay. She goes, there's other people in different places, like other countries or anything like that. And he's playing the game the same as I, and I'm going this way, he's going that. So you don't know that person, right? Right. Right. So I finally figured this out. But so here we, here, here we are in our brains, and our brains, astral travel, mm-hmm. we, there's... We actually travel unbeknownst to us in our sleep or anything like that. Yeah. So my theory is, and and it's a good theory, is that because our brains are so encompassed of doing what they want to do when they when and we don't know, we are experiencing different astral travelers i guess okay in this realm that you're kind of picking up on it right like the radio receiver has a little bit of distortion from the next channel over and that person is astral traveling past you right going wherever they need to go become aware of it right and you just are in that right vibration too Hmm. uh by by being able to see it and we don't necessarily the dead doesn't necessarily 
uh, come to us, they don't come to us. Right. Uh, we go to them. We accidentally fall into their, like, there's an open door and you just fall in every once in a while and see the dead. Yeah. It's like house hauntings and everything. No, you accidentally fell into a some form well, of Well, and I think there's something vibration. you said that like not all of these experiences have to be real for them to be valid. That's like, right. Th- th- like for example, in my mm-hmm. particular situation, like I was under a lot of emotional turmoil, uh-huh. and it's possible that my brain was trying to symbolically say, "Hey dude, yeah. there's something very extreme going on emotionally for you right now." Mm-hmm. And I'm going to like, you know, wire up some symbol for a moment and hopefully we can get this message to you that, like, you know, you're being haunted by this emotional because state. Because that's what our brains do. They totally. fill in, in, they fill in the information. And does that make 100% of supernatural things invalid? No, of course no, not. Like, there doesn't. can be ones that are like, wow, that was pretty extreme and probably just my subconscious. And there can be other ones where I'm like, oh, no, that one was definitely real. And we, you know, have to cope now with this new vision of what we consider to be reality. Reality. You mm-hmm. know? Yep. That's kind of the adventure for for me in a lot of ways is that I have had very extreme experiences in the occult that I did have to later unpackage. And some of them went in the basket of it was not real, but it was intense. And there's something valuable by understanding that my brain can do that. Uh And some of them went in the basket of something supernatural just happened and I'm going to have to cope with that new reality. Right. And uh, both baskets over the years are starting to look pretty full. I'm going to be honest. Yep. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with them. I I feel like I have by sorting them. I don't oh, know. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I feel healthy and Get happy. Get a bigger basket. I need bigger baskets. Bigger baskets. I need to be open to there being yes. more. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> that's it. I need some bigger baskets. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've... So, like, when I was a kid, I had a really intense um, personal experience. This is my first memory. The first time that my brain formed a memory, mm-hmm. it was of a supernatural experience. Mm-hmm. So I remember, and my mother has tells this story to her friends on occasion. So I know that I didn't make it up because I have the memory. I have my own interpretation of it. It's not the same as her interpretation, which is very key in my mm-hmm. mind because otherwise I would just be picking it off of her story or something like, you know, creating a false, false memory because right. that's a problem, mm-hmm. right? Um, I have a slightly different interpretation of it from my own memory. And she tells her friends all the time. And basically what happened was when I was in the crib, I was still in a crib when this happened. Uh, I remember on like the room getting kind of dark and cold and creepy. And this hand that was like decrepit reaching up from underneath the bed and like feeling around and it grabbed my teddy, pulled it out underneath the bed. And then it came back up and it was feeling around my sheets and it was grabbing that and I was screaming. I was like, yeah. I was scared this thing was trying to get me. I knew that it was malicious. And when I screamed, there was this bright flash of light and there was a positive, I kind of attribute it to being more of an angelic force, like some positive light being of protection. I don't know that I believe in like what we would consider the traditional guardian angel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I believe quite in that route, although I might. I'd be open to that right. as an interpretation. Um, but I had like th- some entity entered the room, was standing in a specific spot in the room. The whole room filled with light and the, th- the, th- the decrepit hand fled underneath the bed and disappeared. Wow. And then my mother came in and turned the lights on and everything was gone. Oh, man. And I remember this very intensely. And she tells this story to her friends of like this moment of like, and I know that I was awake because there was no like separation mm-hmm. in it. And then I don't have another memory for a year. Like there's like a whole solid year of like 
And I was learning about like how memory works. And like the reality is if you have an extremely traumatic event, you can form a memory before your brain normally starts to form memories. Right. My first memory is this dark thing trying to get me and some, you know, positive thing trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes look back on that. And what's been interesting is having other friends who also have, that are in the occult community, having some kind of an experience, definitely not the same for each individual, but some kind of a thing where at some point in their life, something spooky happens, something outside of the realm of what you would normally be able to explain. And it starts this giant question in the mind of what is and what is not possible. And they start seeking that and eventually find themselves in the magical traditions because they're trying to answer this giant question of what the fuck happened. Happened, yeah. For me, that's mm-hmm. the one that's like, what the hell happened? I haven't been able to quite recreate mm-hmm. those conditions since that moment. Yeah. Do you have anything that spawned your interest? Was it something intense like that? Was it just, hey, I found a book. I read a book and it was interesting. Or I knew a person and they were, you know, would you say you had like, is your origin story, your X-Men origin story, is it like, you know, is it is it like a tragic one, an intense one? Is it just, I found a book and it was interesting. Actually, what got you started? Uh, it was in my teens. Okay. Um, and a girlfriend of mine, uh, she was practicing witchcraft. Okay. And... Back then, this was in the 60s, 70s? Yeah. This was in the 70s. Well, 60s. And uh, she was going to go to Michigan and be part of the 13 witches. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of spurred my my inspiration. And I started... There, were, I didn't find any books. I had to, like, really search. There was no internet, you know, library books and everything. So it just kind of grew natural for me to want to create magic around me uh, by any way means possible that I felt I could do. Right. And so that's how I sparred. Yeah. So you started because someone around you had been interested in it. Mm-hmm. This is very com- This is another really common origin story. Mm-hmm. There's only a couple of them. I've noticed they're archetypal almost. You have the individual that has a mass... I don't understand what happened. I have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two is someone around me was doing witchcraft and I didn't immediately recoil from it. Right. There, there, there was like, hey, that's interesting. I don't know much about that. I got exposed to it in that it. way. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a weird question. This is only because of my own personal experiences with it. Did your friend continue doing witchcraft? Or did they stop? No, she stopped. That's the thing. Right. Uh-huh. That's why I asked. It's so weird because your origin story, that right. archetypal story... Every time someone tells me that one, Mm -hmm. the person that stopped doing magic is the one that inspired you. Right. And then you keep going after Mm -hmm. the fact. I know like eight people that had that same thing happen. I hear hear that too. It's weird. It is weird. There's patterns to it. It's strange, you know? Well, it's, 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 you know, crossing paths and everything. Yeah. You know, it's just cool. I think it's cool. I think it's incredible. Definitely. Yeah. One of the things that for me has been incredibly meaningful is that uh, there are others around me who have relatable experiences enough that I find, I don't know, I don't feel alone in the occult. Oh, There's a sense of a community. Yeah, I I feel that too. Uh, You know, although when, when, uh, and it's grown because when I moved to Boise, of course I'm from Idaho, 
but I went around. I'm, I've been all over the place. But I moved back to Boise in 2005. And I tried to find people, like-minded people. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah. There was none that I could find. I'm sure there was, but th- I couldn't find them. So I decided to create a group. Uh, then when I made the group, when I got the group, then everybody was all excited and saying, yeah, but then I would say, well, let's do this. And they'll go, okay, yeah, but I don't know how to do that. Somebody has to show me how to do that. Right. So, uh, so I had this massive amount of people not knowing what to do, but they just liked the idea. And so now I had these people I needed to show them how to do in order to do what I wanted to do. Right. (laughs) It was like kind of weird. Absolutely. But now there's there's lots of people. There's a ton of people. There's a ton of people. And, you know, I'm not sure if it's just because the Internet is bringing people together that wouldn't Mm -hmm. normally. Because, like, I don't, hmm, outside of meeting someone because I was a member of a magical group and someone was introduced to the magical group. Outside of that, I don't know how many people I've actually met in person where I've just been like, you know, strolling along. Oh, hey, what's up? Oh, it's nice to meet you. Hey, I like the occult. Oh, me too. Right. Like most of the time it's been like, oh, hey, you know, there's some forum, some internet fascination, some group, mm-hmm. some, you know. And um, that being said, I'm not surprised that with the way that the internet has been integrated into everything, now suddenly there's a community, mm-hmm. you know. Not it's only big. that. There's like this entire website. There's a podcast. Here we are. We're having a podcast about the occult, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's enough people interested in it that people are listening to it. Right. Yeah. That to me is fascinating because there was a point, you know, I've got a, I've got a friend. He's, he's, I would probably guess like 10, 15 years older than you lives down in the Salt Lake area. Mm -hmm. And his opinion of it, I remember talking to him very early on as I was getting interested in stuff for the first time. And he was like, yeah, man, when we first started, there weren't magical shops. Mm-mm. There was books, and it would be like, "Hey, use this herb and this herb," and you would have to like go buy a botany book. What is that? Is your phone? My phone. Gotcha. We'd have you have to like go buy a botany book, learn what that plant is, learn what plants are similar to it because you're not going to find that one in your climate. You have to find something that's similar to it. You'd have to go on a hike for seven hours. Right? You'd have to find the <laughs> plant that's similar to it that's in your locale. You'd have to pick it up, and then. You know, then you could do your magical working. And it's like nowadays, there's 15 shops in the area. And all I have to do is like, which one's closest to me? I can Google it. Uh And I can be like, where do I buy herbs and incense and shit? And then I just travel over there and there's like people in the store. It's not just the person behind the counter. There's like eight people in that store at any given moment. You know, because they're a business like any other business. Yep. Which is cool. It's fascinating. It's awesome. Yes. You know, that like people are getting interested in this because I think that it's a valid, there's there's something to be said about it being a valid potential for the individual empowerment and personal growth of the individual. Well, there's a lot of people searching for something yeah. that's not what they they have. And I think I think that because they're searching uh, has opened up the, the paganism aspect of, Absolutely. Of, of their lives. Yeah. Um, it's important for people to, I, I, I personally think people are just remembering, mm-hmm. uh, I think rather than searching, I think they're remembering and they need to fulfill that remembrance. Right. I think there's something to be said about being able to identify what those things are that you're missing in your life based on what you're, 
like where you're finding yourself. Mm-hmm. Like for example, the United States is having this <clears throat> this revival of Norse paganism. I had a friend the other day reach out to me, doesn't know that I'm an occultist at the time. I told him, you know, I went to college with him. I kept the occult stuff out of college because I didn't want to be that guy. I just wanted to work on college, right. keep my life Learn. separate, you know, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so um, I have a lot of close friends that don't know that I practice, which is weird for me because just about all of my other friends are because we met at occult shit and they, you know, I can't mm-hmm. imagine both of those things being true, but they are. And he reaches out to me. He's like, hey, you know, I, uh, I'm starting to get, you know, involved in this thing and it's Norse paganism and you know, he was like, not sure if I was going to accept him. And I'm like, dude, you're totally fine. I was Norse pagan like four years ago. You know, like, <laughs> I think the first time you met me, I had a Mjolnir on. You right. Know? Like, I had a Thor's hammer <laughs> Thor's necklace hammer. on, you know, like, it's fine, you know. And, uh, but those communities, for example, mm-hmm. are very, in the United States. Now, this isn't true in Scandinavia and mm-hmm. in some of the other, you know, areas that traditionally have practiced these things. But in the United States, there's this heavy sense of community being Mm -hmm. one of the driving factors for Norse paganism in the United Mm -hmm. States. And that to me says the American lifestyle, our communities are dying. We don't have as much community. We're hurting for it. Mm -hmm. People are going out to find it somewhere. They're finding it in spirituality. They're finding it in paganism. They're finding it in Norse traditions and they're finding it in those communities and they're going, yeah, and they're bonding with those people. Exactly. And I think that's true for a lot of things like, um, like uh, some of the more Dianistic uh, Wiccan traditions, mm-hmm. there's a, a very heavy centralism around like modern feminist ideals, you know? And there is something about, you know, our culture leaving certain individuals disempowered. Mm-hmm. And they find that empowerment in there. And then they go, oh, wow, this is really good. This is for me. Right. You know? I, I think you can kind of tell what uh, the American lifestyle is lacking by looking at where people are, you know, craving and, and where they find themselves. What do you think? I suppose this is might be too deep of a question. I don't know. What are you getting out of, uh, what are you getting out of voodoo? If you, if you even can summarize it that simply. Uh, uh, the bonding uh, with other people. Um, I think that it resonates so much with me. It's been with me a long time yep. and it's something that has clicked that works. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's searching through all of this, all my years of practice and everything. It's something that has just kicked some of this stuff and like kicked my magic in the butt, you know, Mm -hmm. it kind of uh, works. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. The dead. um, Do you want to talk about the dead? We're. We're, it's an occult podcast. We can talk yeah, about whatever you want. We can, we can talk about Do, the dead. What, uh, what in particular are you getting out of your relationships with the dead? And what does that look like in practice? It, as it's the same to, way. I guess it's the same way with um, with any deity that you work with. Yeah. You know, they're all dead, I guess. Uh, some of the dead that I work with uh, have been alive, per se. Yeah, what do you mean by alive? Alive um, like as in? Living on the earth, I guess, you know? Okay. Generally speaking, if I were to divide up living and dead, I would say dead doesn't have corporeal form. Right. So like I have a body, I'm alive. Whereas if I were to maintain consciousness after my death in some form of afterlife, I would consider myself to be dead, not alive, even though, even though a lot of times, you know, to be fair to my own definitions, we often associate being alive with being aware. 
Aware, yeah. And uh, in the case of like a ghost or spirit, There's is there possession. aware? Yeah. Yeah, where does... Hmm. So where does that all fall? Like what is... what? Um, I, I suppose we need two things. We need a definition of like, what do you mean by the dead? Uh, and when you're working with them, what does that look like? Are you like, I don't know. Are you having like dreams where they're coming to you? Are you doing a working where you're inviting them into the space and you feel a presence and then you do your working and uh, move on? Are you doing like, um, you're walking around town and like see something like what does that actually manifest in your particular experience when you say I'm working with the dead? Well, first of all, you don't want to let them know that you can see them. Oh, don't look at them. Don't make eye contact. I'm terrible at that. I right. yell at them all the time. Well, yeah. Anytime something's in my space, I tell it to leave and it does. Well, they yes. <laughs> if that, yeah. that's an aspect too, like where you, they're invading your space. You definitely yeah, have to like tell them, them to space. leave and the altar not, draws them. Yeah. It draws them all the time. Mm -hmm. This happens all the fucking time. The altar. I, mm -hmm. I keep a full size altar in my mm -hmm. house and it attracts shit like fucking flies to honey. Right. Like about once every other month, I'll be half asleep. I'll wake up. Something will be near it. And I'll be like, you get out right now. Mm -hmm. And usually it does immediately. That Well, the, then that's good. Yeah. That's good. Hopefully. Definitely. Right? Yeah. yeah. And and I do that too. Mm -hmm. They're not allowed, you know. I don't let my friends livings. touch my shit either. No, I won't. No. Yeah. Like if you tried to touch my altar, I'd, I'd probably ask you to leave. Right. Well, <laughs> I, and that's, yeah. that's, I will, I'm totally... In agreement yeah. with that, yeah. Right. You don't want your anybody else's energy there. Yeah, it's my space. Yeah, I would I would accept my significant other to use a mutual altar. Most space. generally, they wouldn't do it anyway. You know, my significant other yeah. would go, "Babe, there's a rock over here. Do you want it?" Right. You know, like what's it doing? It's a loose rock. Right. <laughs> no problem, babe. I'll get it. Yeah. You know, they won't. He he never touched it. Does he practice? No, he doesn't. Okay. He just lets me do it. You know what's really weird? That's pretty common too. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that nobody uh, that nobody has a practitioner as their significant other, but it's pretty damn common that one person in the relationship is and one person is not. Not, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is that causes that. Or like, or like, I know someone. I don't want to out them, but I know someone who is married who they and their significant other were both in initiatory systems together uh -huh. back in the day and then they got married one of them entered a career where they needed to not have that kind of stuff in their life uh -huh. and so they stopped practicing and the other one stayed in it uh -huh. so the other one so like one of the two people in the relationship is like actively practicing magic on a regular basis and the other one hasn't practiced in 20 years wow doesn't touch any of it wow and so it's like super common in my mind yeah. for like or like my my uh significant other uh, I'm polyamorous, so I have, you know, multiple, the, the one that I've had the longest, um, she doesn't practice. Uh -huh. She reads up a little bit. She wants to like kind of understand. And so she has like a generalized conception of what workings look like. Mm -hmm. She herself doesn't practice. It's weird. Hmm. I don't know what it is. I don't know either. Cause that's true to me too. But I suppose if like. Like it, uh, I, I mean, I guess we all make our own rules about what we consider to be okay with our altars. I suppose if my significant other wanted to use the altar, it wouldn't offend me. Because there's some of that like Lord and Lady, God and Goddess, mm -hmm. me and you kind mm -hmm. of 
duality that exists there. Right. And I'd probably be okay with that. Has to be balanced. It has to be ba- back to balance. Balanced. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. <laughs> I think I, I feel like I derailed the answer though. I don't remember exactly where we left off, but um, we were talking about what does your working look like when oh, you are um, working with the dead? So you don't look at them. Well, the dead that I don't know. <laughs> the dead that you don't know. Yeah. You don't okay. Yeah. So the dead that you do know, do you physically see them or do you feel their presence? I feel their pre- presence. I okay. don't physically see them. Uh, but some of that's different too with, uh, with possessions okay. or, you know, you invite your, your, uh, uh, Loa to, uh, mm-hmm. or your get or anybody to join you in the, in the, in the situation and the workings and they help you, um, give you blessings, talk to you, tell you things. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, possessions is easier because that way they can speak and sure to you. Absolutely. I can see, uh, I can see the appeal. I don't tend to fuck with that. Um, for free will purposes. Right. I have Thelema in specific is very, very, very oriented around the individual's free will being some, something of divine nature mm-hmm. and that anything that leads to the ultimate goal of the free will not being, you know, in full force being uh, avoidable. So like, for example, individuals generally won't drink to the point that they are incoherently unable to control themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, might be something that a Thelemite chooses to do. But then again, it goes back to that choice thing. The choice, I can't tell yeah. you what Thelemites do because they all have their own different fucking opinions right. on shit. Well, and it's you perception know? too. Yeah. Definitely. So generally speaking, uh, we don't fuck with possessions or hypnotism or those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, individuals might make choices otherwise, but the group as a whole seems to be down that road. I know certain traditions of Wicca have like the concept of like horsing, where like, the I'm sorry, I think my voice broke up a little bit. Horsing being like the uh, entity, spirit, whatever the thing is that you're working with, uh, entering the self and making its presence known, but the, the practitioner is in control. Generally speaking, the word that I would use for you not being in control is possession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, is so. that where your line is as well? Is that where your right. definition is? Yeah, that that's a little bit like it. Uh, you go to uh, you can you realize what's happening and you uh, are in agreement with that. Okay. Um, but your meta your 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 guardian uh, uh, is not is going to take care of you. Your guardian is not going to let harm come to you. So you have a third party in the exchange. So you have the spirit itself. Uh-huh. You're protecting third party, which would be whatever entity that like, which like a god or goddess like a, kind of thing, right? Some um, protective thing. guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, or and then yourself being metet. the third party. In that. Uh, okay. Yeah, and they and that's they what protect protects you it from getting out of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like for example, something enters the situation. You've relinquished control, and then it does whatever the fuck it wants. Right. You then have this third party entity. That it protects you. Is protecting you in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question that, okay, so I always like to imagine that this podcast is being listened to by two people. Number one has no idea what we're talking about right? and wants us to describe the super basics. Number two has absolutely everything, knows all the shit that we're talking about Mm -hmm. because they've been practicing for 20 years Mm -hmm. and they want to hear the new interesting, you know, information that's going to buzzword them up to the next level. You know what I mean? Uh, 
um, the person that doesn't know a whole lot is questioning how safe this is because we're talking about possession. Mm -hmm. So what is to stop your protective spirit from just being like, fuck, you know, Wovie, I'm out. Is that just a relationship you build with the entity over time? It's a relationship that you have. It's, 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 you were born with it. You were born with this, this protector and they will never go away. Okay. It's it's, like a holy guardian angel kind of concept. Right. Guardian. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Okay. And, uh, you're, it's there no matter what, even if you don't know it. So everyone has one. Everyone has one. I have one. Yeah. Cool. Everyone does. In Philema, we have a similar concept, Mm -hmm. uh, the holy guardian angel, HGA. Yeah. Being this like entity that is tasked towards your own success. would be this, yeah. Some individuals believe uh, that to be an internal process and some believe it to be like a a separate entity, like a full-on separate entity. You're totally fine. (laughs) Uh, um, And then I know that obviously like Christianity has a similar concept of like a guardian angel being assigned to each individual. I really think every every aspect or tradition, whatever it is in the human species, yeah. has something, something to that effect. Something to that effect. Whether so. that be just regular for our own own uh, belief system as human species, you right. know, right. Uh, we all need something like that in order for us to thrive in the community um well and i'm always really interested in the things that are similar amongst religions uh, yeah. not as much interested in the things that are different amongst right, religions right right because like all right you know there's some different variety out there awesome i'm glad that you know there's there's some of that but when like you know when there's like an indian tradition that's five thousand years old over there on that side of the world that didn't have any contact with this other civilization on the other side of the world that's 5,000 years old, mm-hmm. and they both came to a similar conclusion and use a similar symbol, I'm like, now hold the fuck up. Right. What is the symbol? Right. I want to learn about that. I want to work with that, you know? And so I'm always really drawn towards similarities more Me than too. I am differences. And that's definitely one of them, where there's like something there to protect you. Uh, your interpretation could be that it's an angel. It could be that it's a spirit. It could be that it's an ancestor. It could be right. that it's a process in your own mind. doesn't matter. There's something right. there. It's still there. Yeah. You know. um, so you let something in. You have a protector to protect you in the situation. And then uh, what does that look like? They impart you with wisdom. They, yeah. Do they go off and do something for you? Whatever you're you asking give them for. Whatever you're asking for. Healing, mostly. Okay. You know. Healing. Definitely healing, uh, doing any kind of magic or work, working with the, uh, whatever it is they, you, they, it helps accomplish what you're working with. Yeah. We have, um, altars for them specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah. We do that too. To feed them, you know, um, we have objects to help us, makudos to cleanse, everything like that. What kind so. of objects? What's realistic as opposed to the, the Hollywood fascination with you uh, know. candles? Candles is a big one Herbs. for you. Herbs. Yep. Uh, I have chickens' feet. I do. Ch- I still do the chickens' feet thing. Um, I have chicken feet too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that, so that like the idea is like that a lot of voodoo is powder based. Mm-hmm. and that's just traditionally over the years a lot of it has been powder based and so if someone was trying to be naughty they would you know sprinkle some powder and 
you have you walk through it or those kind of things that you'd, you'd find along your, your daily path. And the idea that like the chicken that was running around in your front yard would, you know, its feet would scratch up the powder and like scatter it. No longer would it be in that specific shape or whatever that they mm-hmm. designated mm-hmm. to try to get you. And so over the years, it started to be this association of chicken's feet scratching away the bad. And now you take, you know, a mm-hmm. chicken's foot. It's yep. dried out. It's, you know, yep. made shelf stable. And you like scratch your arm with it or whatever in order to get the negative energy away from you and the, uh-huh. the negative, you know. So that's definitely something that I could comprehend. Uh, I understand. You know, and a lot of my experience with voodoo has uh, made me realize how much it is a uh, a tradition that, to me, seems often to be related to a general common sense of the lifestyle of a specific era. Of being like, yeah, they're going to sprinkle powder there. Whatever, we keep chickens. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to fucking scatter that shit. Oh, yeah, you're right. We do keep chickens. Or like, you know, they're being like this, like, uh, like hot foot powder is a good example. Being like, it's got like a lot of hot, heaty things. Mm-hmm. And you would, you know, you're trying to get someone to leave your life. You know, right. And you'd sprinkle it somewhere where their feet would come in contact with it. And it, and, and the best way that it was ever described to me was this this woman that said, yeah, and it starts a fire under their feet and gets them out. And there's like that old That's, that old right. timey saying of like, yeah, get a fire under their feet to get them up and out. And how much some of that old timey you know it's period a slave common sense religion. Sure, yeah, it's like a common slaves. sense of this time period, this mm-hmm. this particular group of people. And I think that most magic probably falls into a similar category of having like some kind of symbolic you know, reference towards some lifestyle common sense, mm-hmm. you know. They, they use the Bible also. Yeah. Bibliomancy. Yeah. Do you use the Bible? Bibli, Bibliomancy. Bibliomancy. Bibliomancy, yeah. Yep. Yep. Do you use the Bible? Yes. I do too. Yes. Oddly enough, yeah. It's interesting. Not a lot of people in the occult world do. I this know. is rare. As much as, like, there are two people in this conversation uh-huh. that do, there's a lot of people that don't. I know. To be fair to a lot of people, the ones that don't use it, um, growing up in the United States, there are a lot of Christians, many of them, not all of them by any means, enough of them have been rude to members of other religions that many members of other religions have a chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. about them. Mm-hmm. Now, I've met plenty of good people that don't fall into that category that right. are just honest, happy, and just happen to be, you know, practicing Christians. And I don't have problems against Christians, but a lot of people have felt rudeness and have now started to harbor ill will towards certain members of, you know, Christian faiths. And so a lot of occultists don't like anything Christian. They're like, I don't want symbols of Christ. I don't want the Bible, I don't want, you know, like those kinds of things because they associate that with that emotional turmoil, that pain yeah. of being mistreated, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. if someone being rude to them. I myself am kind of past that. I have, I've gotten yeah. past it. I worked through it. I, I have felt the same way when I first got started and now I don't feel it anymore. Because you're not, you were not educated. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that what it was, was. I had my own personal growing to do. And eventually when I, yeah. when I grew to a point where I said, yeah, there's other groups of people and some of them have been rude to me in the past, but that doesn't mean that every individual is guilty of that sin in that community. And I need to let go of my toxic bullshit in order to grow. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. where I started to right. drop the mm-hmm. chip is to be like, you know what? I'm going to treat indiv- each individual for their individual actions. 
And I'm not going to harbor this hate because all it does is toxify myself. Harboring well, hate's terrible. You the know? Bible's a part of your tradition. Yeah. It's part of everybody's tradition, really. To some extent. To some extent, yeah. especially in the United States. Yeah. And that's uh, that's okay. It's a tradition that needs to be uh, studied. It needs to be known. Yeah. It's, I think, it's, I think it's positive. I think you can get things out of it. I don't think it's the sole source of uh, positivity. No. That's where I feel like a lot of people uh, fall short. Um, in in the Thelemic context, we do uh, consider certain symbols like in Book of Revelations to be, you know, of a Thelemic nature. Um, voodoo obviously uses certain kinds of bibliomantic uh, practices. Uh, Psalms is another really Psalm. popular mm-hmm. one. Psalms mm-hmm. is a set of verses that are all broken out into right. the Hebrew alphabet. Mm-hmm. If you know much about Kabbalah, you can use that one particular verse for that one particular letter yeah. to figure out where it is in the Kabbalistic tree of life. Right. And you can use that as a, as a point of power in order to, you know, mm-hmm. generate results, uh, based on, you know, your understanding of the Kabbalistic tree of life. So mm-hmm. there's definitely like some options. Uh, I also really like mythology. Yeah. And so I don't have a problem with this one mythology cause it's like, Hmm, that's an interesting way to go about it and to think about it and to, you know, it might not be mine, but shit, I can read it and pick yeah. something positive out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I want with this show to promote unity amongst all faiths. You know, I want to promote the idea that, like, it doesn't matter if you're voodoo or if you're Christian. It's okay. Right. And we support you, mm-hmm. you know. Because I want to get past the toxic bullshit that is so-and-so is bad because insert religion yeah me too we gotta get past it you know but man it's just weird that both of us do Mm -hmm. that that's the bible is a it's a rare one to get used in the occult it is potent though it's very potent a lot of people don't read it a lot of christians don't read it they'll yeah. take sections yeah a lot yeah a lot of people that are actively practicing that faith do not actually take the time to read it they right. will get snippets force-fed to them from other individuals mm-hmm. well i think we've we've definitely hit on a lot of amazing topics um is there anything in specific that you'd like to bring up to present to others as you know some interesting thing they might look at do you uh want to plug yourself or any of your work do you have anything that like um, you know, you'd like the people to be able to reach out to you. We have a email address. I'm not sure how much it's going to get used. It is guest at whitewoodpodcast.com. And basically, if anybody got interviewed and somebody that listened to it wants to reach out and ask you a question, uh, they can email guest at whitewoodpodcast.com. Awesome. And I'll pass it along. Cool. So there's definitely like that, that line of communication. Yeah. But is there any topic that you'd like to bring to the table i think we talked to it i I really uh thank you for inviting me awesome yeah we had a great time this is awesome definitely good talk i like that um i'm available to talk anything uh and potentially even to take clients it sounds like you take take them in more than one location Mm -hmm. do you have like a website that you use in order to take clients uh yes uh would you like to plug it it's Actually, woventeer.com. Woventeer.com. Okay. But it's not up yet. It's being revamped. In the so, process of revamping yeah. it. Okay. Perfect. But you can find me. Sure. Just Google me. Yep. 
find all those atrocious things. I know. I know. Definitely. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Well, I appreciate your time. I really do. It was a really good time. Thank you. It's good to catch up, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Whitewood Podcast. This show is made possible by our Patreon members. You can find us on Twitter at Whitewood Show and on Facebook at Whitewood Podcast. For links to all our social media and information about our Patreon, visit us at whitewoodpodcast.com.